Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Uh, can we give it up for Bryn, who just crushed it up here? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, she did a fantastic job crushing it, girl. All right, that was fantastic. Uh, hey, I'm excited to get into the Word, but before I get into the Word this morning, I, I've got something that I just have to share with you guys. Um, as you can see, in front of the stage, there are a lot of brown bags. Uh, and so uh, each one of these bags, there is a pair of shoes, a pair of chucks, right, some Converse shoes in there. Uh, and every kid here at Riverwood Elementary who needed a new pair of shoes uh, is going to receive one of these pairs of shoes this week. We can clap for that, y'all. We should. We yes. So before they go into Christmas break, they're all going to get a brand new pair of shoes. There are 104 children right here at this elementary school that are going to get these shoes this week. Triple digits, that sounds uh, nice, uh, it sounds great, uh, but the bigger number, the better number to focus on is zero. Zero kids at Riverwood Elementary will need a new pair of shoes. And uh, that is only possible, that's only possible because of your incredible generosity. So uh, I just want to, one last time, can we give it up to you guys and for your generosity to Refuge Church, how you make an impact in our community. Uh, I, I really am uh, humbled uh, to be your pastor. Uh, it's a blessing. Uh, and each one of these bags, uh, each one of these bags, it, it represents a life that we uh, got to invest into. And so I just want to say uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, today we're in part three of our Born series. We've been looking at uh, different names and attributes of God, specifically those from Isaiah 9-6. I've uh, looked at Jesus, uh, this child who is born. Uh, he will be our wonderful counselor. Uh, he will be our mighty God. And today, we're going to look at him as our everlasting father. Let's go ahead and read Isaiah 9-6. If you'll say that part in yellow out loud with me. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. We're going to look at God as our everlasting Father. But before we go any further, let's take a moment, get our hearts ready to receive uh, what God has for us. If you just put your arms out with your palms up, close your eyes. It's just a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air you're breathing. God, today would you guide us closer to you? Help our minds put away the frustrations of this past week. Uh, put away the distractions from the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. Uh, we come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move and hear today with power. We believe that in advance. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, a child is born, and he will be our everlasting father. Everlasting father. There is something about a dad that just makes things different. Uh, when you have a family where the dad is present and active uh, in their children's life, uh, those children have dramatically decreased the likelihood of them being incarcerated. Uh, one study actually showed that 80% of those incarcerated or prisoners grew up in a home without a father. 
Now, there's something about dads, there's something about a father that changes things for their family. A, a father has the power to change their family tree, uh, to make things move, to change the trajectory for a family. Uh, and I'd just like to share a, a personal example. Uh, my dad, uh, this is his story to tell, not mine, but he changed the direction that my family was moving. His decision to go to rehab, to get sober, and to follow Jesus, uh, that changed where my family was heading. And I don't know if I'd be on this stage right now without that decision. Uh, now, here's the truth. I'm sitting here saying that it can change for the better. Uh, I have some hope, uh, and I have a father who moved things in the right way. Unfortunately, not everyone here has had that same experience. Uh, and my point is not to say uh, your dad was awesome or your dad was a bum. Uh, that's not my point. The point is simply this. Dads have an influence and a power in their children in their families' lives that is hard to overstate. Uh, dads are so important that even psychologists, they have a term uh, for when your father hurt you and your dad hurt you. Have you heard this term, father wounds, right? I mean, that's like <laughs> a term that they use. Uh, a father wound isn't uh, necessarily intentional, but it is referring to uh, some pain, and it has shaped who you are. Uh, whether you want to acknowledge that or not, uh, the wound that you experienced as a child, maybe from a dad, that father wound, it has shaped who you are. A father wound could look like uh, your dad, you, you felt like putting pressure on you to perform. So that you felt whenever your performance wasn't up to his standard, that dad doesn't uh, love you. Uh, so for dad to love you, you have to have uh, the on-field performance in athletics. Or, or maybe it's uh, you didn't hit the academic performance in the classroom. It's a feeling that you aren't loved, that you had to earn their love. And here's the deal, it doesn't really matter if that was true or not, because as a kid, it's just how you felt. And that shaped you uh, in one way or another. Uh, it could also look like, a father wound could also look like just an absent father that could be literally a physically absent, not a part of the picture, or possibly just uh, emotionally absent, a father who, who doesn't do emotions. And there are a number of things that could qualify as a father wound. And whether we admit these or not, these moments that we have, from childhood, they do have an impact uh, on us. I heard someone, they once said, uh, my parents didn't have any influence on my life. As soon as I turned 18, I went 500 miles across the country. Let's just step away from that and let's just break that down. You mean to tell me fleeing your parents and moving 500 miles away as young as possible, that had zero effect on your life, right? Like even, even when we try to get away from it, it has an effect. And the truth is we all carry some wounds from childhood. Some might be big, some might be small, but regardless of size, they need to be appropriately processed and handled. Um, there was a cowboy who rode into town, shifting gears, right? There was a cowboy who rode into town. Uh, he pulled up to the saloon and he ties his horse to the post. Uh, before he walks into the saloon, he walks to the back side of the horse, he lifts up the tail, and he just lays a kiss right there on the behind of the horse, <laughs> right? Uh, and everybody who sees this, they're flabbergasted, because I heard some of those audible, like, what is going on here, right? And uh, so he lays a big, uh, wet kiss on, on his horse's backside. Everybody sees it, they're, they're flabbergasted, and, and one man, he gets brave enough, he goes up to ask him, he goes, why did you do that, right? Like, what is wrong with you? It's kind of what he's thinking. And the cowboy responds, well, I've got chapped lips. And uh, uh, the, the 
a bit puzzled, the man is like, and, and that helps with chapped lips? And the cowboy says, I don't know, but it sure keeps me from licking them. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sure keeps me from licking them. Uh, not exactly a solution, right? But it is a, a, just a gross way. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to avoid making it worse. He's trying to avoid making it worse. But I wonder, I wonder how often we do the same thing. All right, instead of going and getting the chapstick, instead of going and put some Vaseline on there, instead of facing that issue head on, we go and we kiss the horses to solve our problems, just to keep them from getting worse. We manufacture ways to keep things from getting worse, just to keep things going. They don't really get better, but it's going to keep them from getting worse. I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we've found ways to cope with maybe some of those childhood or those father wounds. There could be many next steps to dealing with a father wound. There's definitely levels to this. And I'm trying to talk to a large crowd now, so I don't know where you're at. But a next step for you could be seeing a counselor. Maybe you need that. It's okay to go talk to someone about your feelings, right? I don't want to get rid of that stigma. It's, it's okay. Maybe it's just initiating a conversation with your dad to say, hey, this is how I felt. And I don't know if that's what was going on, but that's how I felt as a kid. There, there's some steps there for sure. Or maybe the best thing for your situation has nothing to do with your uh, physical father here on earth, whether that's biological or step, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe the best solution is for you to abide in your heavenly father. If you think about the influence and the power that a father has in this world, how much more power and influence does your father in heaven have? He is a perfect parent. And he gives us everything we need. When you put your faith in Jesus, God adopts you as his own. It says it this way in the book of John. Say that part in the yellow out loud with me. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become of God. They believed in him and they accepted him and gave them the right to become children of God. It says it this way uh, in Romans. You guys know what to do with that last word, right? All right. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit. When he adopted you as his own children, now we call him Abba we get to call the creator of everything. Abba, Father. Abba is literally the Aramaic word for Father. All right, so the literal translation would be correct to call him Father, Father. That's kind of funny. But when you put your faith in Jesus, you have a Father that will always be there for you. You will never be alone. He will never leave you or forsake you. And when life gets hard, it's easy uh, to just feel alone. It's easy to just feel like you're on an island. And when you get like that, when you feel like it's just me, there's nobody else, you feel weak. Because everything you're doing is in your strength. And I just want to tell you, friends, it does not have to be that way. It does not have to be all on 
on your strength. Um, saw a video the other day. You guys have probably seen this too or something like it. Uh, it was a little boy and he had a, a little Tykes Jeep. Have you seen those? He has a little power wheel. Looks like a Jeep, battery-powered Jeep. And this little boy pulls up to his dad's Jeep that is stuck in a, a very shallow, grassy ditch. Uh, just in some grass, really. This little boy hops out of his Jeep, you know, swings it open. He's got the boots on and everything. He gets out there, attaches the tow rope to his little Jeep, throws her in reverse, and he pulls his dad out of that grass. Right? It's super cute. And this kid's confidence is soaring, right? Just rescue dad. Like, you know it was actually the dad who was like, all right, put it in drive. Just crawl forward. Right? It's the dad's Jeep who did all the real work. Nonetheless, this little guy is over here strutting himself. You know when he went to school in that pre-K on Monday, he's telling his friends, pull my dad's Jeep out of the ditch this weekend. You know, he's, he's proud of himself. Even though it was really the dad, the father, who was doing all the work. If you were to look back at your life, how many times do you think you could say that? Where there seemed to be a problem, but it all worked out. I think a lot of us would be quick to say, well, I, but if we would stop and roll back the tape and watch, it actually wasn't us, it was our everlasting Father in heaven working all things together for good. It's not about us. That's like that little kid thinking he did it. All right, let the little kid believe it, but we're grown-ups, we're mature, right? It's not about us, it's about our heavenly Father. And as a father, as a parent, really, you want to do everything you can to help your children succeed. Right? You want to do everything you can to have your children succeed uh, academically, financially, athletically, all the stuff. How much more does our Father in Heaven want you to succeed? Like, so how much more does our Father in Heaven want His children, that is us, those who believe in Jesus, to succeed? I believe it's possible that sometimes the setbacks we experience is God trying to get our attention that, hey, you're climbing the wrong ladder. You're focused on the wrong thing. We're looking to, this, to succeed at the things we want instead of the things that matter to him. And maybe the setbacks aren't because of that. I think that's sometimes the case. Maybe the setbacks are just because life in this world is hard. It's broken and flawed. We have to deal with a lot of stuff that just we don't want to deal with. We don't want it. And even when that's the case, when it's just because life on this earth is not the way we want it to be and sometimes it's hard, even in that moment, he is still with us. He is a father who will never leave us. The relationship that we have with God. The reason we can call him Father, it's because of his son, Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus and we believe in the cross, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and it's because of Jesus that we have an everlasting Father. Jesus was born on this earth as a baby. And his purpose as a little child was to redeem a lost and hurting world. And the, the path for him to do that, the path to accomplish that purpose was for him to give his own life on the cross, to pay the punishment for our sins. Uh, it says it this way in Isaiah 53. 
but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. It goes on in verse 6 to say, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This baby is the one who gives us our everlasting father. He's the one who gives us that ability. He grew up, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten so we could be made whole, whipped so we would be healed. Today, we're going to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. To remember the price that was paid so that we could become children of God. We're going to partake in the, the Lord's Supper today. Some people call this uh, communion. It's a, a little piece of bread and a little small cup of juice. There is nothing special about the bread or the juice, all right? It ain't even Welch's. It's great value, all right? But what they symbolize, what they represent, is the most precious gift that any of us have ever received. Here's how the Apostle Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians. And I just got them right here. They're not on the screen. It says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, with Jesus' blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, it, it's a reminder of the cross. The bread represents Jesus' body that was broken. The juice represents his blood that was spilt. The reminder that he did all of that. He took that punishment because of his Love, his love for his children. Uh, Paul goes on in verse 26, says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why... You should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Paul is telling us that this is not something to take lightly or, or half-heartedly. When we come to the Lord's table, we need to come with reverence, yes. But he's saying you need to come with a clean heart. And he calls us to examine ourselves. It doesn't say examine your neighbor. It doesn't say examine your spouse. It doesn't say examine your kids. He says examine yourself. 
verse 31, but if we examine ourselves, we will not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by God, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. It says that God's discipline is a good thing. He finishes up, says, so my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. There's a, a couple spots in here for, uh, and they've got cups uh, with all the elements for communion. There's two cups. There's a little juice cup on the top being lifted up. There's a little cracker, a little wafer on the bottom. There should be plenty for everyone in here. What I want to invite you to do right now is to take a moment and just to examine yourself before God. To spend some time with your Abba Father. To confess where you've messed up. To be real about what's happening in your life. And then you take as long as you need. And when you're ready, when you feel like I'm, I've, I've cleaned everything out of my heart, I've talked to God, I've put, turned it over to him. When you're ready, go pick up your cup and return to your seat. And then if you'll wait just a moment, we'll partake that together as a family. And we'll be obedient to scripture with that last line that says, they will wait for each other. Okay, so we're going to take a moment, spend time with your father, confess, rejoice, turn over your sorrows, whatever you need to do. And then whenever you're ready, there's a table here and a table here. Go pick up the elements and then we will wait on one.
We are not in any hurry. We will wait on one another. Looks like just about everybody is back to their seats. They've got it. If you're still taking, you need a minute before you go. Would you just raise your hand up? I don't want to. I don't want to rush anybody. You've got time. He says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the privilege of being your children. To be able to call you Abba, Father. Our Father that will never fail us, that will never forsake us, he'll never leave us, even in the darkest times. God, thank you for being that kind of Father to us. One we can always count on. Amen. I just want to share one uh, more story before we continue in worship. <clears throat> My daughter, Kinley, she turns three next month. She's a bit of a bull in a china shop. She's, she, she, she got two older brothers, and they're, they're quite a bit older. Uh, I dropped her off at daycare this, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and uh, she was still in the two-year-old class, and she's kind of, she's about to turn three. And uh, this little boy came up to her, and he was so sweet. He was like, Kinley, and he wanted to give her a hug. And she literally, like, gave him a bow and was as if to say, like, get out of my face and, like, just, just pray for us, okay? Um, anyways, uh, so she's, she really is this bull in a china shop. Uh, nobody backs baby in a corner. She's going to fight back. And then sometimes she just, like, you know, she's bouncing off walls and getting hurt when, like, nobody, like, last night she ran into the door frame and I was like, girl, the door didn't move, you know? She, anyways, um. She's just kind of aggressive like that. And, and when she bounces off the wall and she gets hurt or she trips and falls or something happens, uh, you know what the first thing she wants when she is in pain? You know what she wants? To just be in my arms. That is the place that gives her comfort. Not only does she love that, but as a dad, I love that, right? To provide that comfort and that care for my daughter, my child. And I know that this time of year, it can, can be a, a jolly and a happy season, but also it can be a heavy season for many. It can be a reminder of a loss, a reminder of what once was. And maybe for you, the best thing you could do is just spend some time with your everlasting Father. To spend time in His, in his presence and just to, to worship Him. Just to receive that warm hug from your Father in heaven. And not only will that be a comfort to you, but I promise you it'll warm His heart as well. So what I want to invite you to do is to spend some time the presence of your Father, and just worship Him. Would you guys do that? Let's stand and worship together.